You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Uh, it is trade deadline day as we record here on Tuesday the 1st, and the deals are flying in real time. Uh, we got about an hour before the deadline, and there have been some major moves already as we zoom into week nine of the season. Bring in uh, co-host Alex. Let's just throw a couple of these out here. Yesterday, I mean, this is within the last 24 hours, uh, and also a bunch of these names were ones that we did discuss last week as potential trades. And you don't think that all of them are going to happen, but several of them did. And then there's one little surprise that uh, kind of a name that's kind of been sitting on the sidelines. But Roquan Smith um, wasn't happy with his deal, kind of did his uh, hold in in training camp, gets the ta- had the tag sl- smacked on him. He gets moved to Baltimore. I you know you there's certain guys you know you look at them what kind of player is this where does he fit Roquan Smith just feels like a raven doesn't he they, they always seem to get these things right yeah they do Lou I mean they needed an inside linebacker because I think they've struggled in that regard their offense the Ravens offense has been much better this season than their defense and especially their run defense, I think Roquan Smith can shore that up. I mean, you get a guy that was picked in the top 10 by the Chicago Bears, and you give up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick, I think it's a steal. They also threw in A.J. Klein there, but I just, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, they knew they needed help at this position, and they got themselves, I would say, one of the best inside linebackers in the game. I understand that the Bears were going to trade him, uh, that they were going to cut him loose because they didn't want to pay him. They're rebuilding. I completely understand it from Chicago's standpoint, but the Ravens didn't have to give up a lot for a top 10 pick. Well, it, I guess a two and a five, um, but I guess an interesting situation now is that you get another player that is looking for a long-term deal, another player that represents himself, you can only use the franchise tag on one guy, and I gotta believe that's gonna be Lamar if they can't come to a you know a long term deal there. But uh, maybe this is a rental. But here's a team that's saying, "Hey, we're going all in to win this year. We'll worry about the contracts later. So let's you know this is it. We're going all in." Um, we just briefly off air we talked about an, an intra divisional deal which you rarely see especially during the season where tj hawkinson gets moved to minnesota for a couple of twos but i guess the the big thing is is what what is detroit doing here i mean is it you know the money they're expecting to pay him uh wasn't drafted by this regime you know you can look at it a lot of different ways yes they're they're in a rebuild but this is a you know young player could be a key cog on your team and you trade him in the division for a couple of second round picks that that's got me scratching my head a bit it's a strange move not the fact that they moved off of 
TJ Hawkinson, but the fact that they traded him to the Minnesota Vikings, he's going to kill him now. They're going to play each other, you know, two times a season. The Vikings is, are sitting at 6-1, and one, so they believe that they're contenders. They add themselves a legitimate target in the middle of the field that Kirk Cousins can use, and, and Kirk Cousins loves using these tight ends, and Hawkinson is a good one, and a very good one, by the way. But I do think that the lines are selling here. They realize that they're not playoff bound. Oh uh, God! <laughs> obviously not. Obviously that not. would have been that would have been pretty optimistic going into the year. But uh, yeah, certainly not now. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I also think that you know the Lions drafted Hawkinson once again in the top ten, and I yeah. think they look at him and they say he's not a game changer. Like, he's a good tight end, but he's not elite, okay? They don't see, like, a, a Tony Gonzalez. Because if you look at his numbers, he really flashed, like, in 2020. He had 67 passes for 723 yards. But then he took a step back last season while playing only in 12 games. This year, he has almost 400 yards. So they haven't used him in a way that... They haven't featured him in a way that you could say he's a premier tight end. They're not going to put him in there in the same sentence as Travis Kelsey, as George Kittle. He's just not that type of guy. But I think when you draft a guy in the top 10, you kind of expect that. But he's a really solid blocker. He's a good pass catcher. I think he can do both. He's an all-around tight end, and I think the Vikings value that. It's just a really strange move by the, by the Lions organization, once again, uh, to trade him to the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, you want to trade him anywhere else, but you don't trade him inside your division. And they only got a second-round pick and a third-round pick for him. So, And they had to give up a fourth-round pick in next year's draft as well. So, you know, they, they switched. They, they swapped picks. Swap position, sure. Good yeah, they're giving up a good player to the Minnesota Vikings right now. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, again, you, you mentioned the you reference the years. That's going from Stafford to Goff as well. So I don't know that we've quite seen the best out of TJ Hawkinson yet. Uh, and with, uh, I guess, Irv Smith going on IR in Minnesota. Uh, and again, I guess the other thing is you, you look at these teams that are making some of these moves, whether it was, you know, the Ravens with Roquan Smith, the 49ers with, with Christian McCaffrey, the Chiefs with Kadarius Toney. Now, again, that's more of a bet roll of the dice, but they're making moves. The Vikings now looking at, hey, let's, we're right here. Let, let's go. Again, suspiciously quiet, but not surprisingly quiet, are the Green Bay Packers in that division. So uh, I, who knows what's happening there because another deal within that division, a wide receiver, young wide receiver, this you know, Chase Claypool goes from Pittsburgh to Chicago. And Chicago, that looked like sellers, you know, they, they trade Robert Quinn, they trade Roquan Smith, we talked about those two. And uh, now Chase Claypool, with the ascension of George Pickens, becomes expendable for the Steelers. They get a two back, uh, and I think it was the two that Chicago got from Baltimore, if you can kind of follow this. But Chase Claypool, let's get our young quarterback a weapon here, even though we're kind of selling some of these parts Let's get him some sort of help because he's showing, you know, some a glimmer of hey, we're we're moving in the right direction offensively. Let's see what we have going into the draft. But I think that was a very good move for Chicago to make. 
I don't know if it's a great move for Claypool, but it gets him out of Pittsburgh. He's, I guess, by default, uh, the number one or 1A or in Chicago now because I don't know if you can say that it's Darnell Mooney. Uh, so I think that's, you know, that, that's going to work out well for the, for the Bears, I think. I don't like this move. Uh, I actually think that Chase Claypool was a good receiver. Like, he showed potential as a rookie, and then he never stepped up after that. I mean, he kind of disappeared. Other guys have stepped up for the Steelers, like Deontay Johnson, George Pickens this year, and he was kind of the odd man out. I think that Claypool, I had so much more hope for him after that rookie season. He's an okay receiver. That's about it. I don't think it has anything to do with, with the quarterback position with the Steelers, that Claypool is just not featured. We'll see with the Bears. I think he does become the number one target now, even with Darnell Mooney on the, on the roster. I do think that it gives the Bears a chance to evaluate Justin Fields even more because they're, I mean, their passing game is non-existent. If you can say that you only have Darnell Mooney, well, he's like a number three. He's not a number one receiver. With Claypool, he's got, you know, he's got size. He's got speed. He's got that catching radius. So Justin Fields can, you know, you, you can do some wonders. You can see a little more potential in Fields down the road. So the Bears had to make this move. I just don't think it's going to work out because I'm just not a believer in Claypool. He didn't show me that he could step up and become the guy for the Steelers, which many people expected, including myself. Well, I, I think, well, I guess it's, they've had, one thing I would say is they obviously had some flux at the quarterback position, even last year, you know, I mean, with Ben and, and, and so forth. I mean, it just wasn't, it was kind of clunky. Uh, they weren't throwing the ball down the field, which I think is more a Claypool thing. Uh, if you watch the game this weekend against Philadelphia, now I don't know if they were featuring him for a trade or whatever, but... He was getting opportunities and he was making some plays. And Pickens has been kind of, you know, it more in the background. So you can just say, hey, we're going to try to feature him for a trade. So I still think, you know, Claypool's got a chance here just because, like you said, the size, speed, and so forth. And now it's the opportunity. So with the opportunity, we'll see what he can do. But, you know, as far as the Bears making a move here with picks that they've acquired recently, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad move for them, and you know you, you have some potential in a guy that was you know again was he a second or third round pick for the Steelers? I don't recall. Was he a third? He was a day two pick. Yeah, the Steelers I think came out with a higher draft pick in return. He was a little bit of a, a surprise, you know, coming out of Notre Dame and so forth. The height, weight, speed thing was big, so I think he's still a developing player. So again, for that second round pick they just got from, I guess, Baltimore, using that, I think that's well worth the risk here. Especially, like you said, we're giving we're giving our young quarterback some more weapons. I guess the biggest deal of the day was uh, the pass rusher from Denver, Bradley Chubb going to Miami. So another team that's kind of that's, that's thinking that they're on the cusp of the playoffs or have a strong opportunity this year making a move. Uh, they traded a first round pick pick that they got in the uh, trade I think it was the Trey Lance move uh, from San Francisco uh, and I think it was a, a first and then a, a first, a fourth, 
plus Chase Edmonds goes to Denver and Chubb and a fifth round pick in 2025 go to San Francisco. But the bottom line is obviously Miami making a strong play to increase their pass rush moving moving towards what they think is going to be a playoff run and again this was just again it was a name that we brought up right now it wasn't us I mean we're kind of reporting uh, talking about other things but the bottom line is another one of those names we talked about last week and which we thought was a possibility but you know you thought well who's really going to give up a, a ton for him and here we go Miami making the move and, and going all in so you got to like the teams that are making moves to go in and again you look at the Packers and you're thinking okay what what are we doing I like how you're throwing the Packers under the bus a little bit here already with your second comment yeah. I guess the Packers don't I guess the Packers don't feel like they should be buyers. (laughs) I think they feel that they're fine, that they're going to stay put, and they're going to beat the Vikings, and they're going to beat everyone in the division, that Aaron Rodgers will eventually figure it out. And then, you know, it's it's the old Packers again who who are going to win the NFC North division. I love the the Bradley Chubb move. I mean, it's hard to find pass rushers, Lou. You know this. It's nearly impossible. That's why, I mean, not impossible, but again, high draft picks. You know, guys that you develop and now you're moving on from. So, again, that's what I guess that's the part with Denver. Maybe they just didn't want to extend them. They have drafted some young pass rushers. So, you got to, again, you got to love it if, you know, if you're a Miami fan. Well, Denver is going through rebuilding right now. They moved off of Von Miller last year and now they get rid of Bradley Chubb, who I thought they could build their defense around. I mean, this could be their next Vaughn Miller. He's been having a good season this year. So, yeah, uh, I mean, kudos to the Dolphins for getting this right and getting an, uh, an awesome pass rusher. They also traded for Jeff Wilson. Uh, the 49ers traded their running back to the Miami Dolphins after they, they got Christian McCaffrey. So uh, the Miami Dolphins have moved off of Chase Edmonds, but well, they added the former 49er and got Jeff Wilson as well. Right, and that you know McDaniel's that's a natural move. I mean Edmonds, they signed him as a free agent and was just didn't seem was a good fit for that offense. And you saw the I guess the elevation of Raheem Mostert, another former 49er. So now go back to that well, uh, some depth at, at running back and somebody that obviously McDaniel's very familiar with in uh, in Jeff Wilson. It's kind of a, a sneaky move here. Uh, Jacksonville made a move for Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, great wide receiver for the Falcons. But, I mean, obviously he's on suspension. He won't play this year, so it's kind of a, a bet for next season, adding some more weapons for, for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and they're conditional picks, obviously, when he get, when and if he gets reinstated, how much he plays, and, and so on. But, uh, yeah, that one, you come kind of out of the blue. You almost forget about the guy because he wasn't playing. And here we go. Jacksonville makes the move. Calvin well, Calvin, Calvin Redley needs to get his life together. Uh, hopefully he focuses on football. He comes well, he back. Made so, he made a few bets. I mean, it's not like he was, you know, like he went off the deep end or anything. Well, he knows it's illegal when it comes to making bets for an NFL player, right? He knew this was going to get him in, in hot water, right, Lou? I mean, well, I don't think. Well, again, I don't know that if it's it's like a complete turnaround of his life. I think he was. I honestly, 
young dude. He was bored, made some bets that he, again, no, I'm not, obviously he was completely in the wrong, right? But, but I guess to characterize it as getting his life straightened out, I think maybe that might be a little too far that, in that direction. Well, if the Falcons felt that they could get Calvin Ridley back on track, they wouldn't have traded him. Why the hell would they give up a player for a fifth-round pick that they spend a first-round pick on? Hello? I mean, that's crazy. They're almost like selling him because they don't want any part of it. I think that's a signal that maybe Calvin Ridley's head isn't in the Well, right again, place. new new regime. They're gathering picks. They can also, you know, the, the second pick could go up to as high as a, as a second-round pick in 24 based on, you know, how much he plays or, or whatever. They, dra- they just drafted Drake London. They've got Kyle Pitts. So I think they feel comfortable with those guys moving forward as their one and two options. So, again, if somebody's going to offer you some capital for a guy that maybe, again, like you said, maybe they're not sure of whatever. Even if they think that he was completely right a year off from football, they're like, hey, we got a couple of young guys here. Let's move them along. Let's get something for them. I don't know. I would never give up a fifth round pick for a first round, a former first round pick. If I didn't feel like this guy will never be a part of my team again, they're almost like throwing him under the bus. So I'm just curious. The Jaguars have nothing to lose. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great move. Yeah. They're adding a player. They're taking a chance. If Calvin Ridley comes back to MB and becomes the player that he once was, in uh, a guy who showed so much promise during his first couple of years. He was the number one guy for the Falcons. If he shows that, the Jaguars have a number one wide receiver, and then they have Christian Kirk, and they need all the help they can get. You know, I watched that Trevor Lawrence game in London, and that was atrocious, Lou. I mean, I feel like, and I just want to go, th- this is my tirade, Okay. A couple of years back, we were so impressed by this quarterback class, including myself, by the way. I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence. I'm talking about Zach Wilson. I'm talking about Justin Fields. Matt yeah, Jones, a lot of potential. A lot and of potential. None, none of these guys have cemented themselves as anything great. Whether it's unfair or not, because they're in their second year, we should give them some time. But I think that after a certain sample size, especially with Lawrence, especially with Fields, especially with Mac Jones, you think you would know what you have. The Patriots have a somewhat quarterback controversy. Justin Fields is more of a runner than a passer. Trey Lance, I don't even want to go there. Um, Second one, you've got Zach Wilson, who has turned into a player... Well, we saw what he couldn't do last week. Couldn't carry the Jets without the running game, without Brees Hall. They asked him to throw more. He wasn't capable of doing it because he made a couple of just atrocious throws. I mean, his decision-making was bad, to say the least. Trevor Lawrence, also, his decision-making, his accuracy. It looks like Peterson doesn't even trust him because I feel like they're relying on the run game and just asking Trevor Lawrence to be the caretaker. To be the manager. So none of these quarterbacks have become anything great. And at this point, teams and coaching staffs are basically holding them back and saying, "Mm, we can't trust this guy. This guy can't win it for us. Let him be the game manager and let us rely on the running game and the defense. 
But you pick these guys, number one, number two, number three, okay? Number 12, Mac went number 15. You pick them pretty high to be game managers. I think I can find a game manager in the third round, in the fourth round. So as a fan, as a, as, as a scout, as an analyst, as a podcaster, I have been extremely disappointed with this quarterback class that came out last year, which I had a lot of hope for, Lou. Maybe it's early. Maybe you can call it an overreaction. You're going to say it right now. Well, we're about, what are we, 20 games into their careers, if that, and a, and a few of them have been injured. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm glad Buffalo didn't give up on Josh Allen after that many games. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, we've come up and talked a lot about Tua's shortcomings and so forth, but, I mean, for all the crap that he's taken i mean they're five and when he finishes a game they're five and oh now again i don't think that all of a sudden now he's this great nfl quarterback but but he's getting it you know and sometimes with some of these kids it takes time there's so much i don't want to say pressure put on him but in order to get the potential you have to overdraft it's all i mean it, it, either that or you're just not going to get him and if you wait till the third round, yeah, you may get guys that, you know, for the first 18 or 20 or 32 games, but at first they are pretty even, but that you know those third, fourth, fifth round guys, perhaps the ceiling is going to be much lower. There, you know, a lot of times when you're making these bets or rolls of the dice in, in some cases, you're betting on the, on the ceiling being, you know, astronomical. So, yeah, they have been disappointing. Uh, no one has kind of said, oh, we can point at this guy and say this is what he's going to be. But, um, yeah, it's hard. You can make excuses for any of them. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see, you know, a quick return. But, uh, yeah, none of them have really shown that, hey, this is the guy moving forward. Except for Trey Lance, a lot of these guys, all four of these guys, started started a lot of games in college. Hello? I mean, Trevor Lawrence started since his true freshman year. Zach Wilson was also a starter since his freshman season. Uh, you could talk about Fields. He started for two seasons. Mac Jones was the quarterback in Alabama for a couple of seasons. But he only really started. He only really started when Tua got hurt, and then obviously the senior season they win the national championship, and yeah, you know, the, the rest is history. Um, Had yeah, a lot but, of reps in college. Uh, so did Kenny Pickett. So did Kenny played in a lot of big games. And so and did Kenny like Pickett. Kenny Pickett played how many years in college? You know, I don't. I didn't, again, I didn't hold Kenny Pickett in I, high regard uh, compared to these guys. Okay, right. But Kenny I think Pickett, Kenny Pickett can carry their jock strap. Okay, Lou. I mean, Kenny Pickett is nowhere near the potential that all five of these guys, you know, demonstrated during the, the, the scouting process leading up to the draft. I, right. You know, the fact that Kenny Pickett was the number one pick, the fact that he was the number one quarterback in last year's draft says nothing about it. He was nowhere close to all five of these guys. Right, but my point is, even with all that experience, and you can tell the kid is, I mean, he's very, very well-spoken at the mic. Uh, he know he knows how to, he knows he's a gamer. It, whatever you want to say about what happened during training camp or whatever, he can function in an NFL offense, but 
like you said, the ceiling was much, much lower and you didn't have those expectations. Once those expectations are out there, now it's like, hell, unless these guys are, are tearing the league up, it's like, geez, what did we do here? So, and again, I think it's going to come down to patience. Yeah, sometimes you got to take the ball out of their hands a little bit as they mature and as they develop, and hopefully you can win some games while this is happening. But history has shown that there's a very select number of guys that can come right in and be, like, effective. Right now, the Jaguars and the Jets are winning in spite of their quarterbacks. And they're not giving them a chance to unleash them because they realize that these guys aren't accurate enough and they're not good decision They're not certainly not there yet. Nope. In their career. And that's... <clears throat> I just... I didn't expect that, okay? From a number one overall pick and from a second overall pick, I didn't expect that. The teams that draft them this high would kind of say, hey, we want Trevor Lawrence to throw 18 times a game. We want Zach Wilson to throw 10 times a game, all right? And last week we saw, you know, what Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson cannot do at this point. Uh, when you ask him to throw, when you ask him to make plays, they turn it over. They, you know, have turnovers. They're not accurate enough. So I'm not blaming these teams for kind of, you know, making them game managers, but I do think that you didn't draft these guys these high, this high to be game managers. How much more are you going to, you know, baby them, you know, change their diaper and stuff like that? It's time to kind of, you know, let them go and, and let them grow. They're going to make mistakes. Young quarterbacks make mistakes, but these coaching staffs aren't willing to do it. And when they do it, these guys fail. So it makes me think that what what... What makes you think that these guys can succeed in year three? Is Josh Allen the only mm, kind of example in all of this? I mean, there's so many other. Well, he's the most. He's the most. Yeah, I mean, he's the most recent one, right? There's because... so many quarterbacks that have come in and kind of, you know, got a good head start, had a good rookie season, and then you know grew in year two, and you could see that. You know, they made that step forward. Right now. I'm saying that the quarterbacks that I saw in college, even Trevor Lawrence that I saw in his rookie season, I can make a case that he's like regressing the past like three or four games. Now, I guess I'm, I'm watching too many Jacksonville games, but I mean, it is true. I've watched a couple of those games and I've just seen a quarterback that, that doesn't have the confidence, that doesn't seem to uh, know what he's doing out there. He started off good. Uh, he's, you know, the, the start of the season was really positive for him, but the last like three or four games, he has really like taken a step back and that's not the same quarterback. That's not the same confident brash kid that I saw, you know, carry himself through the whole process who was willing to become the face of the franchise for Jacksonville. I don't know. I mean, I guess my outcome for these two guys are a little more at this point, a little more gloomy then you know the the positive light that you're kind of shining on them well i think that's just a function of just you know history with with quarterbacks it is it is very very rare that a guy even in their first two years i mean hell i mean mahomes is such an outlier 
but he even had a, like a complete red shirt season and, you know, master class, whatever you want to talk, you know, what his relationship was with Alex Smith, Andy Reid, I mean, really teachers. Whereas Lawrence's first year, he was like almost expected to be the leader of the team and it was complete dysfunction. So I don't know that you can even count that as NFL experience because it really wasn't, right? So again, I'm not making excuses, but I think you got to give these guys time. The whole idea is that they're not a finished product, that they they do have to, you know, like you said, go through the growing pains. They all do. Yeah, we all, I think, expected these guys, or at least two or three of them, to really start to show something the second year. But again, history tells us that is more the outlier than it is the norm. And I don't, again, I, I look at Tua now, I don't know if that's, again, a function of the coaching a little bit more positive reinforcement, and of course, some tremendous weapons because you got Hill and Waddle, you know, putting up historical numbers so far in terms of yardage catches and all all that. So, uh, yeah, let's see. I mean, the jury's out. You know, I hear what you're saying. You you don't you you don't like where they are based on what the grades were coming out, and yeah, I don't think I am either. But I just don't know that you can just say, well. We screwed up. Let's move on. Let's go to the next guy. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, haven't seen any more big trades uh, come across. But uh, looking back at last week a little bit, I wanted to mention a few teams here. I don't know if any – I'm sure a lot of you watched the Bills-Packers. And it was a very strange game. And, you know, the Bills are doing what the Bills do, right? I mean, they come out. They're, they're scoring left and right. And they get off to a big lead. And the Packers are looking like the Packers have all year. Very clunky, short passes, uh, running the ball a little bit more. And showing, you know, a little bit of success running it. But I think the Bills expected them to throw. So there was a little bit of a surprise factor there. But as the game went on into the second half, I swear the Bills just looked like they were bored. Like, we're done with this. I mean, all they're doing is running. They're down 17 points. They're running the ball against us. They're not going to score. We don't need to score. Allen makes a couple of weird passes. He misses Kumaro on a wide-open play to get a third-down conversion. Uh, They're down in scoring zone, and he throws an interception. And like I said, I don't know if they were bored. Uh, I don't know what the Packers were doing. The Packers were just trying to cover the spread, and God bless them, they did. Uh, and maybe that was part of it too. But for a Sunday night game, you're expecting a little bit more fireworks in the second half, and it was just, hey, the Bills were just kind of bored. The Packers were trying to just keep the, 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 the score close, and it was just a really odd game. A win is a win, Lou. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you yeah. don't have to make it look sexy through the four quarters, right? No, I'm I not mean, saying can... that. I'm just saying as far as just the football game goes, that second half, it was strange because it seemed like they stopped, Buffalo stopped being aggressive offensively, and Green Bay never got aggressive offensively. He hit a couple big plays. I mean, Dubs made a great catch. Toure, Samari Toure, uh, former Nebraska what was it Montana transfer to Nebraska made a great adjustment. I think Aaron was shocked that he made the adjustment on the route, but it just, even down 17, they're still running the ball, running. the. It was just a strange game is, is my point. Yeah, it was great for the bills. They won. 
Yeah, I just I feel like the Bills were already they were not interested anymore. That's it. I think they felt like they have the game in hand. And that's it. And they kind of they let the Packers get into it a little bit, but it was never within reach at that no. point. So I nope. just think that the Bills were disinterested after that first half. And you can make a case that the Bills haven't played like a full four-quarter game. Maybe they did it against the Chiefs, but they need like an opponent like that they need somebody to challenge them because the great teams they get bored it happens every year like you know you're good you're better than your opponent so you're not going to play through like the entire four quarters you can put the team away in the first half and that's it rest your starters basically they can still be on the field but i'm talking about you can still rest them i mean josh allen was just walking through i mean he wasn't yeah, he wasn't playing like at 100 percent. i don't think he was the offense wasn't in the second half. I mean, you already made a point of it. I just think sometimes you have to challenge these great teams, and if you're not, they're not going to they're not going to be interested for the entire game. I guess we just have to come to the realization, or at least I do, that that the Packers just aren't that good. But you think, you know, Josh Allen, you know, it's like his his idol, you know, is on the other side. Maybe he didn't want to show him up. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they certainly did kind of take the foot way off the gas, it seemed. And, gosh, if you bet the Bills that night, you'd be awfully pissed off because they lost. They left a lot of points on the, on the field that night. Um, now the Eagles come back, you know. How do you want us to win? I mean, it's it's getting to the point where now you're looking at the Eagles as this complete team because you thought maybe if they had to pass. Now, again, the Steelers aren't their greatest test. They've got some issues in their defensive backfield. But it looked like A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts were just like running through an on-air drill or maybe seven-on-seven because it was over the top. It was three times, and they kind of embarrassed them. But I guess my takeaway is with the moves that Howie Roseman made, I mean, the biggest one was at the draft when they traded for A.J. Brown. That's made a lot of difference on this team to make them a little bit more multiple because we know they can run the ball in any number of ways. I mean, they're running zone. They're running power. It's, they're running read option. They're running RPOs. I mean, it's, it, it's really interesting to watch and how good this team can play. But just the fact that now Jalen Hurts showing off the deep ball a little bit, just to put that on tape, uh, yeah, it was it was very impressive. What are the Eagles gonna lose? I just I, I want to mention the I next know. four. Op- Hate I want to be mention negative, the- you know. I mean, they're they're undefeated. It's almost like talking about you know a pitcher during a no hitter. You just be quiet, just let them go. Right? They're seven and zero right now. They face the Texans next. Yeah. Then they face the Commanders, and then they're at the Colts. So I think, I mean, these three games are definitely winnable. They're going to be double. Di- they'll be du- they'll be double digit favorites in all three, and it doesn't matter where they play, right? And I then mean, they it- play against the Packers. So the twenty eight, the twenty seventh, I believe it is. They're playing against the Packers, and I think that's the game. And then the Titans the, the following week. So I guess you could say those two games are going to be important. But the Eagles. Could very well be ten and zero. They just look like you know a team that's really motivated, hitting its stride. And geez, I mean, could this team go undefeated? They but don't. I don't think they don't look like they get bored, right? I mean, they, they just look like they're on a mission. 
I just obviously they play against the Cowboys once again, and then they've got the Miami. No, they don't. They don't have it. They they've got the Cowboys and the Giants. I don't know. I mean, the way the Eagles are playing right now, I don't know. It's it's not against them that they look like a number one seed in the NFC, and they could be like sixteen and one or fifteen and two when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it's. I mean, their schedule really didn't shake out to be that that difficult. Uh, obviously, they're playing the the AFC South, which is no great shakes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't want to say it. I don't want to jinx them in any way, but they certainly look like a machine. They look like they're on a mission, and they're not getting bored. So uh, hats off to Nick Sirianni and what uh, what he's done, you know, because – and look at what's happened to the Colts since he left there. You know, offensively, they just seem very challenged. So uh, kudos, Nick Sirianni. I mean, he's you – know, I don't know. You got to think maybe coach of the year is in, is in the works as well. Uh, maybe a coach that's not going to get coach of the year, the Raiders and Josh McDaniel. Yes. I mean, I just have written here in my notes, WTF. Uh, now, granted, yeah, you can go into the Superdome and come out losing the game, but they were shut out. The first time they crossed midfield was in the fourth quarter. Derek Carr just looked miserable. They couldn't do anything, and I think they forgot Alvin Kamara was a pretty good player because he came out and showed them just how good he is. But that was just a a very confusing, uh, listless, just uninspired and then McDaniel afterwards talking like, yeah, you're going to have a few of these games during the course of the year, you know. It, it just Now, great, he's not going to get up there and really just you know, fire and brimstone, probably what he's letting the team have. But, you know, and then Davis comes out, you know, I think yesterday or, or today, you know, vote of confidence for the coach, which I guess, I mean, he's seven or eight games in and you know, they're expecting, oh, geez, you know, we got Devontae Adams, we got Chandler Jones, this is going to be a thing. And the whole AFC West was thinking that too. And it's just been, you talk about those quarterbacks being disappointing. How about this division? What the hell? I just got up right here in front of my computer and did a little dance because I want to say I told you so. Look, Josh McDaniels was supposed to be this, he's supposed to be this quarterback whisperer. Okay, but for Derek Carr, he has done nothing. I mean, I expected Derek Carr to have his best season ever because Carr had a very good year last year. Then they added Devontae Adams. They have so many weapons there. Okay, they do. It's not only Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs, it's like a revelation since they, you know, declined his fifth year option. He's running like his old self during his rookie season. So that offense. It's pretty good, like based on the names that they have there, but it's just not working. I mean, it's it's, it's a mess. And I told you so, Lo. I told you so. McDaniel's is just not cut out to be a head coach. Something isn't right. He's a very talented offensive coordinator. He's great. I'll hire him next year for any team. When the Raiders cut him and when they fire him, I'll take him. Okay, for any team out there that needs a kickstart with a young quarterback, I would love to have him on my staff, just not as a head coach. He's not head coaching material. That's it. With the with the team that he has there, with the offensive playmakers that he has there, he has to score more than zero points against the Saints. Okay, I mean, that's flat out embarrassing. 
The fact that Devontae Adams on several occasions, now I guess he was he was sick coming into this game and some you know had some other I don't know I mean minor issues, but he suited up and they they played him. But you know he's like one catch you know in a couple of a couple of different games and the targets are, are down and yeah that's just the that whole situation there is just strange. I think. It, I liked it better when they they felt like us against the world and Bisaccia was in there. And I don't know if that was sustainable. Obviously, Davis didn't think so. Uh, but I think at some point, Josh returns to New England, you know, becomes the offensive coordinator and uh, all is right in the world. And who knows what the Raiders do at, at, at the head coaching position. Also wanted to shout out P.J. Walker. You know, this was I'm, I'm watching this game, Atlanta versus Carolina, and P.J. Walker's starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, and he probably had a had kind of a P.J. Walker day, right? I mean, he made some throws that just let you you just like, what the hell was that? Uh, and then at the end of the game, I don't know that it was really a hail mary because there was like 30 seconds left in the game. But he unleashes this 67-yard in the air laser to the other end zone that DJ Moore catches for a touchdown. And I'm sure you know everybody's seen the highlight by now. But just it was you. You talk about quarterbacks, and obviously he was not a highly drafted quarterback. I'm sure undrafted free agent out of Temple, the whole thing. Matt Rule back in Carolina, whatever. But it just to me that play. Is just one of those things where you say, how did how does this team beat that team? How does you know on how do you get beat on a play like that? Hey, all these guys are professionals. They're all good enough to do it at any given time. There's just a certain select group of guys that can do it all the time, or at least most of the time. Uh, because hey, you're lining up in the NFL. You're a very good player. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to shout out PJ Walker because that was one of the best throws I've ever seen. Because he's going to his left, and it was just a laser. And you can fault the defensive backs or whatever, but they probably had no clue the ball was coming in that direction. Uh, but anyway, Panthers lost, of course. Uh, but that was a pretty good how, how disappointing was that? The quarterback makes the play. The yeah. wide receiver catches the pass. And then they get a penalty. And yeah. they get backed up. And they can't kick the, the PAT. Missed I the mean, extra point. Yeah. I would, as a team that's struggling, as a team that is trying to gather these wins, understanding that Steve Wilkes is kind of fighting for his job. Maybe he can prove himself. Maybe the Panthers will give him a shot if he wins a few more games. And it looks like, you know, P.J. Walker is, is working out. He's looking better than Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold combined. And then this happens. It's just, it's disappointing. Yeah. When, you know, a team can't catch a break. Basically. I'm watching the game and I see it, you know, they're just, so, they're just so incredulous because the game just got really crazy at the end because Atlanta kind of had it won. And then somehow the, the Panthers get back in and they get the ball. And now you have this big play. And as soon as DJ Moore takes his helmet off, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to call him for taking the helmet off. Now, again, there's been a lot of talk about this rule. 
rule about the letter of the law, and he was actually out of the end zone. He wasn't in the field of play. He wasn't in the end zone, so it shouldn't have been a penalty. One former ref is saying, but then they're saying, well, he came back into the field without his helmet, and a couple other guys took their helmets off, and I'm like, oh my God, this poor kicker's not going to kick like a 45-yard extra point, and of course he misses, and then he came back inexplicably, Mariota throws a bad interception. They had a chance to win it in overtime with like a 33-yard field goal, and he misses again. And you just, yeah. That was like the Panthers' season in a nutshell, is just completely teasing, teasing. And, yeah, we're uh, we're just not that good. All right, so the picks. We're on fire here, Alex. Last two weeks, seven and one, four and oh this past Sunday. My goodness, we got a little luck. The Commanders plus three and a half. Big play at the end of the game. Terry McLaurin and his kind of home away from home stadium. Played there as a high schooler. Played there, you know, for Ohio State in Big Ten championships. Makes the play of the game. Comes down with the bomb at the one yard line, and then they score and end up winning. So that that worked out well for me. They were plus three in that one. They end up winning by one. Okay, San Francisco. Uh, it was minus one and a half when we did the picks. I think the line moved to the, actually the Rams were favored, but we still go by the, the date that we or the date that we made the picks. San Francisco wins easy. Seattle minus three wins easy. Minnesota kind of Arizona p- kind of pissed that away at the end, but Minnesota covered. So four and zero. Alex, what, what's going on here? Well, I'm glad for you. I'm I'm cheering you on. I'm clapping for you right here. I mean, you're listen to the picks, fellas. I mean, if you want, if you want the real down and dirty, if you want to earn some money gambling in Vegas, listen to this podcast. Okay, Lou is getting it right. Plenty this of it. is not the kiss of death, <laughs> Lou. This no. is, I'm not trying to you know bring it on you. I'm horrible. Well, with it, the, cer- with it my certainly sounds it certainly sounds that way. A lot of there's no. Uh, you're not believing in any any of these superstitions, right? We're talking about the Eagles going undefeated. You're telling me how good I am now at the picks. Look for these to be really bad. So anyway, 20 and 14 now. We're six games over 500 for the year. So I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, so I'm going back to my underdog ways. And they're going to be some ugly ones. I'm telling you that right off the top. I'm going right back to the Commanders. They're plus three and a half. They're at home against Minnesota. Minnesota flying high, six and one, kind of feeling themselves. They go on the road. This is going to be a tight game. Maybe it's a field goal game. I'm going to take the Commanders plus three and a half. Atlanta's at home. That was the first game, I believe, this season that they didn't cover. And it, but they did win the game against Carolina, but they're at home getting three points from the Chargers. The Chargers should never be favored against anybody, at least at this point of the season. Yes, they came off a bye, but they're giving three on the road in the Eastern time zone, early start. Give me the Falcons plus three. Uh, I'm going to ride Seattle until everybody starts to respect them a little bit more. Yes, they're on the road. They're at Arizona. But they're getting one point. Arizona, again, has no business being favored against anyone. So give me Seattle in the point. And then on Monday night, uh, New Orleans is always such – they're a much better team, much better defense in the Dome. I'm going to take the three points against Baltimore. Let's go. Go, dogs, go. 
All right, I'm going to go against you for my lock of the week. I'll take the Chargers on the road against all common sense because it's an early game. They're going to the East Coast, but I do think the Chargers will improve to 5-3. and three. Uh, Even though the Falcons have played everyone close, everyone, except, you know, by losing to the Bengals, you know, like a week ago or so, or 10 days ago. So, but other than that, I think the... You know, I'm going against all common sense. The Falcons have kept every game close, except for one. They're at home. They don't have to travel. The Chargers do. But I'm taking the Chargers minus three here because they've got the quarterback. They've got Justin Herbert. I actually think this is going to be a blowout. See, the only thing I'm, I'm worried about Herbert is I think the injury is really bothering him because I don't. he's not throwing it as well as he did pre-injury against the Chiefs. Uh, so again, I they should absolutely. They they sh- they've got more talent. They should win, but I'm just not feeling them as favorites. So that is going to do it for us this week, gang. Uh, trade deadline is coming up here in the next couple of minutes as we record. Haven't seen any other big deals, but I'm sure if something happens, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, if you're feeling the picks, go for it, man. Twenty and fourteen so far. Seven and one the last two weeks. Let's go, week nine. So for Alex, I'm Lou. Peace.